Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope, my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. Well, hey there, my name is Amy. I'm the Connections Coordinator for our Poplar Hill site as well. I serve as a member on the teaching team here at VPC. I think we can officially say now that we are in the throes of Christmas season. Around the office with the staff, it is buzzing around here with excitement as we look forward to and plan for our Christmas services. And I hope that you'll be a part of at any of our sites the next couple of weeks. For some of us, I acknowledge that this season can be super fun and exciting, filled with joy, lots of beloved traditions, spending time with friends and family and the people that we care most about in our lives. But for others, you know, it can be a really difficult time. This is a time of year where the days become much shorter and that marks a season that can be really, really tricky and difficult for mental health. It can also be a season where we especially miss a loved one that is no longer with us this year, and that in itself can carry a lot of pain, or there are strained family relationships. It can be a really tough season, and for others, it can be super chaotic, as there's all these things that are great and good, you know, Christmases, Christmas parades, Christmas markets, shopping, hospitality, spending time with one another, but it can be a little exhausting. We look at our extensive list of who we want to get gifts for to just thank these people for being in our lives and to bless them. But even that can be so difficult, right? Finding that perfect gift for someone who seems to have everything can be really tricky. Or there's some people that no matter what you get them, it just doesn't really seem to be good enough. Even receiving gifts can be awkward. Like, oh yeah, grandma always gets me that same pair of socks every year, whatever it is. I want you though right now to think of a gift that you have received at some point in your lifetime that you'll never forget. For whatever reason, it made a really big impact on you. It's just something that constantly comes to mind when you think of gift giving or gift getting. Now, I want it to be a positive one, though. Hopefully, you have some example of a positive one, not the year that you asked for a dog and your parents just got you some socks and underwear in your stocking. Maybe this gift was even unexpected or is a gift that seemed extravagant that you were really humbled by, like, oh, this is not something that I deserved. Now, a gift, when I think of my childhood, that sticks out to me is something that I received on my like eighth or ninth birthday. I wasn't quite sure which year that was, but I'm the oldest of three sisters. And this year in particular, my middle sister handed me a small package. And that was really special, as this is not something that we commonly did. So I excitedly unwrapped it to reveal that it was a root beer lip smacker. Now, you have to understand that growing up in the 90s, lip smackers were everything for us girls. So it almost became more of a collection thing than even like a practical lip chap thing. This gift made such an impact in me in that moment because, like I said, we didn't really give each other gifts. We're young. She's only a year, 18 months or so younger than me. And so it wasn't very common for us to give each other birthday gifts. But this year, for whatever reason, she had intentionally spent her own money to buy me this root beer lip smacker. And it made me feel seen and so loved. But I'm going to be honest, it wasn't life-changing, right? Although the next day I probably took it with me to school, passed around my friends as we all smelled it and tried it. I know, totally gross, but come on, we were kids. It's just totally different. It's pre-COVID, all that stuff, right? 
But this wasn't something that really carried a whole lot of weight with it. It was a really sweet gesture for my sister, but it didn't completely change my life or anything like that. Here for the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about a gift that would not only reshape the course of history, but is still to this day changing and transforming lives. We're going to be looking at this gift through the eyes of two people who were able to see beyond an infant and glimpse into the destiny that this little one carried. We're going to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Zechariah, a priest who would have, um, who would be father to one who would pave the way for Jesus and his ministry. Today, we're going to look at the words of Mary, the mother of Jesus in the book of Luke found in the New Testament. And just a little bit of background before we read our text today. Mary here, her description is we understand her to be a young woman who's betrothed to a poor carpenter named Joseph. She's a Jew living in a small town under the influence of Roman rule a town that was despised and many said of this place that nothing good can come from it. She here was a nobody, probably unseen in many, many circles. But one day, everything changes for her. One day, an angel appears to Mary and she is terrified. It completely freaks her out like it would many of us. This is no precious moments. If you can remember those little cherub type angel things that you're like, Oh, how sweet. No, every time an angelic counter happens in the Bible, it is completely terrifying for that person. But this angel reassures her not to be afraid that he's come with good news. She has found favor with God. And as if this encounter with an angel isn't enough, isn't crazy enough, he shares with her that although she has never been intimate, to say that in a nice way, with a man, she would miraculously conceive and have a baby boy. And that's not even it. This angel comes, encounters Mary, tells her that she's going to have a child, which every parent that is hearing this can identify. That is terrifying enough in itself. But it's also a child that is out of wedlock. So that in that time, day and age especially, carries its own consequences. But this baby would be the son of God and would reign as king over a kingdom that has no end. Can you imagine the shock We can't probably. None of us are really in that position to really fully understand the shock that she would have been feeling in that moment, in that moment of feeling unworthy of this gift. But her response is this, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She humbly accepts this message that the angel shares with her. And even it doesn't end there. He shares with her that, Mary's elderly barren relative is actually pregnant as well, because with God, nothing is impossible. So Mary travels to see her relative, Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth just hears Mary's voice, her greeting, the baby inside of her womb leaps and the Holy Spirit in that moment fills her. And she welcomes Mary with this loud Holy Spirit filled greeting, which doesn't freak Mary out, but Something happens in this moment because until now, Mary has only responded in meek acceptance to what the angel has told her. But this greeting from her relative, from Elizabeth, it ignites something inside of Mary. Something shifts, it's changed, it transforms her in that moment. In that moment, revelation is unlocked in her response to God, speaking through her from her cousin Elizabeth, her relative Elizabeth, sorry, that is part of the awe and wonder. 
of how the Holy Spirit can work in community with one another. This incredible moment happens as the interaction between the two of them. This loud greeting from Elizabeth and Mary's instant response. And her response is this that we can find um, in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 45. And and this is the part that we're going to look at closely today and examine. It says this, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. We look here and see that Mary's response in this moment to this Holy Spirit encounter with her relative Elizabeth, it's more than a prayer and praise to God, but he reveals his saving work in and through our lives, through the gift of Jesus, a promise of change that nothing would ever be the same again. That the King, the creator of the universe has come down to humble himself, to encounter mankind, all in order to restore the broken relationship that we broke He is initiating this healing moment, this revelation that the son of God, the Messiah, the promised deliverer was in her womb, transforms Mary. It completely flips things for her. And so let's look closely at her words and what she says. That first part, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Here, Mary is saying that in her small town, insignificant self, that God himself is magnified. It's like she's holding up this giant magnifying glass for others to see that the God of her forefathers, the creator of heaven and earth, would choose to come here in through her, causes her spirit to rejoice. Knowing that she's not good enough, but it's his grace. And as followers of Jesus, the way that we live our lives the way that we move about in this world, it should magnify to others who Jesus is. The gift of Jesus inside of us holds up this magnifying glass through the life we live in relationship with Jesus for others to see and to encounter him for themselves. A life that is lived and marked by who he is. Her joy came from the understanding that the suffering of the world marked by sin because of a broken relationship with God would now find salvation through the child that she was carrying. And she goes on to say this, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. God sees Mary. He sees her in her humble, low estate, in her low rank in society, in her poverty, but he also sees the posture of her heart. God is not influenced by people the way that we are. He's not impressed with the things that we are. He's not impressed by status, wealth, or those who hold power, even, you know, how handsome or beautiful you are. The Old Testament, God even says, you know, you're so concerned with how people are on the outside, but I look at what's in their heart. 
it's so easy for us, I think, to think that we have to be a certain way for God to encounter us or even use us, right? But God's not concerned with that outward appearance. He's not concerned about us having it all together in order for us to use him. He is just simply looking for those who are willing, those who aren't seeking recognition or gain, but heart that approaches him in a humility that says, God, not my will, but yours be done. If you can look past my flaws and my failures and do something special inside of me, God, may your will be done in my life. And for Mary to even say that future generations would call her blessed, it's not a statement of pride on her behalf. But rather, she's calling to future generations as someone who's marked with humility that God would even use her for something insignificant for his kingdom, but use her actually in such a mighty way in bringing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. I remember one time someone saying that true humility is just simply taking up your God-given space in the world, no more and no less. A couple of years ago, Full transparency, God pointed out in my own heart that my humility that I thought I had was actually false. And to be quite honest, he's still working with me on this. My attitude of, well, who am I? Or sometimes wanting to hide in the shadows or not wanting to seek any kind of position. So I'm happy to stay on the sidelines of, of lots of things. And that actually wasn't humility, but it was actually my inability to believe God is who he says he is and that he desired to move through me to encounter the people around me. Because true humility recognizes that it's not about you. It's about the gift of Jesus inside of you and what he can do with that when we learn to trust him. Humility takes the position like Mary where we're willing to say, whatever it is, God, let it be according to me, just as you have said. Let it be according to your will. Let it be done to me in just the way that you have said it, not for my personal gain, but for others to encounter him through my life. Mary was willing to say yes to what God wanted to do through her. And the Bible talks about, you know, what? if we're going to boast, let's not do it in and of ourselves. This is not about me. Mary here is boasting about how great God is, that he would be so willing to overlook her insignificance, to birth in her the hope for generations past and generations to come, that it wasn't about her. But irregardless, God had chosen her. And so she just said yes to that. God choosing Mary would allow future generations like us here right now to look at her and to see the incredible work that God did in and through her life, not because of her merit, but all because of his mercy, all because of his plan and his desire to encounter humanity. She goes on to say this, that he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud with the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. So here she acknowledges that God has shown his strength to her with this miraculous conception of a child. And as a Jewish woman, she would have learned and known and been familiar with many, many, many stories all throughout her family's heritage of where God had done great and mighty things for her people, for the people of Israel. Her simple statement simply recognizes all of these incredible things that God has done, that even though over and over again they messed up, got themselves into really sticky and messy situations over and over again, God would show his grace and his mercy 
and move on their behalf and show his mighty hand. It's meditative on how over and over again, God shows himself to be supreme, that no one and nothing can stand against him. He alone is almighty, all powerful. There has never been anyone greater than him. Every nation, every superpower, every person, every spiritual force who has ever tried to stand against God, he has brought down in his timing. He has always been and always will be a defender of the weak and one who opposes the proud. And here he was doing it once again. But this time it would not be just for one moment in history. No, it would be the final promise, not just for her people, but for the entire world that God was coming to us through a gift of a baby to encounter every single person, even those, and especially those who go unnoticed and those who struggle. Jesus would later say in his lifetime here on earth that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. We all have a craving in life, whether we acknowledge it or not. And we may look to fill it with finding purpose and meaning in our work and the things that we do, or, or we medicate ourselves in all kinds of unhealthy ways in order to heal the deep, deep hurts that are inside of us. But Jesus is the one who comes to give us good things, to fill us with good things. And when we recognize that that craving that exists deep down inside of us, that dissatisfaction with everything is actually our need for him. And this encourages us as followers of Jesus to stay hungry for him always There's always more of Jesus to be discovered. There's more ways in which he wants to reveal himself, more pieces of who we are that he desires to encounter to bring healing and hope and restoration and redemption to those things. And then on the flip side, Mary says, those who are rich, they're sent away. This isn't just talking about someone with money. I am not going to shame you for what your bank account looks like because there's nothing wrong with having money. In fact, money may be a part of the call of God on your life, that in and through you, you are someone that he gives resources to in order to bless others. But rather, it speaks to the position that money has in our lives. The rich that she's referring to are those who only live for wealth and for power, who think they've got it all figured out. And they approach God not wanting to belong to him, but rather looking for what they can get from him. Because there's still that hole, there's still that craving inside of us. And many people of wealth and influence have approached Jesus this way. In his ministry here on earth, there's a young man that comes to him that's only identified as the rich young ruler. He comes to him wanting to know, Jesus, how can I gain eternal life? I've done all the right things. I've checked all the boxes, but there's still something inside of him that says there's something missing here. Jesus saw through this question and knew and understood his heart. He knew the position that his wealth and his status held. And so Jesus shares with him, absolutely, there's just still one thing that you lack, that you acknowledge that you lack. And he tells this young man to go home and to give away everything that he has and to come back and follow him. And instead of walking away with obedience, that young man walks away grieving. He walks away empty-handed. He had the opportunity to come and to learn from Jesus himself, to do the things that Jesus did, to build up treasure in heaven, rather treasure here on earth. But instead, his riches and his status, it held such a high place in his heart that he could not let those things go. 
He left empty-handed. He did not acknowledge the opportunity that Jesus was giving him here. One writer even puts it this way for these people that how can God fill those who are already full of themselves? Because we don't find true and eternal life in ourselves. That is something that is only found in Jesus. And he's not an add-on. He is everything. Mary finishes with this statement. She says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Conceived in Mary was a promise that God had made many, 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 many generations before her. And Mary recalls all those great things that God has done for her people all throughout history to come to this conclusion that the promise that so many of them were waiting for was now being fulfilled in and through her. And the immensity of what that means was sinking in. The years of history where God repeatedly showed up for his people, not because of what they had done, but because of his love and his mercy for them was simply a foreshadowing of the ultimate promise of salvation that would come not just for that moment in history, not just for Mary, not just for the people of that time or even Jesus followers, his disciples, but it was a moment that would change the rest of the course of history that has been and continues to shift and change and transform. Mary didn't go looking for this promise to be fulfilled in her, this promise that she would have known of through many, many years of prophets and foretelling of this savior, this Messiah that would come and save the people. Guaranteed, she never would have expected that she would be the one that would conceive and raise the son of God, the promised Messiah that would bring salvation to the world. This young girl from a despised town of low status would give birth to the king of kings and Lord of Lords. She did not go looking for this. She did not go asking for this. She would not even have understood in fullness the magnitude in which Jesus would bring a powerful life change to so many people beyond her own life, beyond her own town, beyond her whole own region. That through Mary, the blind would see The lame would walk, the sick would be made well, the oppressed would find freedom, lost souls would find purpose and meaning, the poor would be seen and cared for, the light would be expelling the darkness, hope would be given to the hopeless, through her lives would be changed forever. This unexpected gift, it changed everything for Mary. And maybe you're even hearing this and thinking, you know, that sounds great for Mary and for that time, but like what exactly truly does that mean for me? Through Mary, God extended himself to humanity. He humbled himself, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Because of his love and his grace and his mercy and his desire to encounter us. His desire to come alongside and say, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I want to walk with you. I don't expect you to have it all together. I want to know you and I want to be known by you. 
I want to show you a better way of living, a better way of doing community with one another. You don't have to be alone. In fact, you aren't alone. You are seen. You are loved because the gift of Jesus, it is never earned. It is never deserved. It's just that. It's a gift. A gift, though, that has the power to change us down to our core, down to those parts that we try so desperately to hide from those around us with a smile, with a cool new outfit. I hope that you understand that the creator of all things desires to be in relationship with you. That was the whole point, that he sees you right where you are now, in the mess that you may feel like you are, but he calls you blessed. He isn't put off by your perceived flaws or failures, but he wants to call you his. He wants to claim ownership of you and not in a heavy-handed way, but in a loving way to say, hey, I've got you. May we know the mighty deeds that he has done for us in humbling himself and coming to this world, being fully God and yet fully man, being tempted just as we are to pay the penalty on our behalf because of doing things our own way, of wanting to redeem every piece and part of what that means, of the consequences of death to our souls. He wants to bring life and life abundantly. He continues to this day to fill hungry souls with good things and to exalt the humble, those who feel unseen. Today, Jesus offers us a gift that is a lot more valuable than a root beer flavored lip gloss. A gift that is more than just even for you. In 35 years, this message of hope, of who Jesus is, I have never grown tired of hearing it. I've never grown tired of sharing it and seeing it change and transform people's lives and acknowledging that it isn't even just us. It's lives all around the world, all throughout history and for time to come that is still making everything new for so many people. And so this week, I want to encourage you to meditate on these words of Mary. Meditate on the powers of these truths and just allow them to sink in. Think about them. Read them over and over again. Because what would it look like if we allow these truths to truly transform our hearts and allow God to be magnified in us for others to see those who are especially in desperate need of some hope, who on the outside may seem like, hey, I've got it all together, but inside they are broken and they are hurting and desperately needing Jesus whether they want to acknowledge that or not just yet. May we be bold in our prayers and may we be bold in extending a Christmas service invitation to someone in our life who feels maybe unseen or is struggling. I think even right now in this moment, we can prayerfully consider and allow God to bring faces to our minds right now of those who need this message especially this Christmas season. Because what would it look like for them to come, to come and encounter this transformational gift that transformed Mary, then has transformed 
thousands and thousands of years, generations of people where this has made everything new for them, where they have found hope, redemption, healing, a life changed and transformed. Maybe their situation hasn't changed, but yet everything inside of them has changed. What would it look like for that to happen all as a result of your invitation this year?